Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the longest running Bigfoot podcast on Blog Talk Radio. The original Squatch Detective Radio. can't hear you, Steve. I don't know if we lost the show or I've lost the show. <laughs> I can't hear. I'm here. <laughs> okay, right here. Yeah, I think we lost the show. And we'll just give this hang tight, right? We'll give Steve a minute to get everything rebooted. That happens every now and then, and all our listeners yep. know. <laughs> we We have a few blog talk issues every now and then, but that's all right. Type in the chat room. We may be having some blog talk issues. <laughs> Everybody just bear with us. Let me ask if anyone has any sound. Okay, well, Tack can hear me. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, folks, we're having a few issues here. You just bear with us. We'll see. So I'm sure Steve will get it ironed out. All right. Steve, are you with us yet, bud? Well, I'll go ahead and start until we get Steve in here with us. Uh, welcome, everybody, to tonight's episode of Squatch Detective Radio, uh, 3rd of March. And hopefully, we're going to have spring coming up here for long. <laughs> but uh, tonight, we're going to have Ray with us. Uh, he's a former Airborne Ranger, United States Army. Uh, served a lot in South America. Uh, such military actions as Operation Just Cause and Military action as an advisor uh, against FARC, combat medic, survival expert, and a witness to the Bigfoot of South America. The Ma—I think that's pronounced Mapinguari, Ray. Can you can you help me out on that pronunciation there, but Mapinguari. Mapinguari. Okay. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Oh, welcome back, Steve. <laughs> well, I am on the I am on the phone line for some reason. Okay. My computer sound card just crashed. Um, oh, so man. I have no no clue what happened. I lost sound. 
and yeah. about 10 seconds into the intro and nothing. I, you know, like the Skype wasn't working. I mean, no sound anywhere. So for yeah. some reason, my computer dropped its sound card. Um, no idea why or how or what happened, but um, I'm here and well, I'm on the phone we can, instead. So that's good. We can we can just operate without the soundboard and stuff tonight without the board. So everything should be on. Oh auto no, no 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 no. <laughs> um, we we should be. Everything oh, okay. works. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is the only only problem I'm having right now is you know is connecting directly through the the computer itself. So. Um, don't know what happened there, so a little technical glitch on our end, yeah. but hello, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Tax in there. He said he could, he could hear me while uh, while we were having our issues. So yeah, I guess we're still on Well, what, what happens is, is, is if he told, don't understand, is that when I disconnect, you guys lose mm-hmm. sound. So mm-hmm. that, that's what that's what happened there. So, uh, but I'm on I'm on the phone line now. So uh, again, I have no clue what what exactly happened there. In fact, I'm probably going to do a reboot on the computer while we're doing the show because I can get away with it. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's do that. But um, <laughs> so anyway, you, you, apparently you gentlemen were talking, so I'll let you continue on with your conversation. Well, I just uh, I was just going to bring Ray on. Uh, we're going to uh, skip with a little of our uh, our, our normally uh, pre-program uh, or beginning of the program banter there, and just go straight into Ray. <laughs> yes, today uh, because of delays, we will be banter free. Yeah, banter free today because of delays. <laughs> but but uh, with the uh, the Bigfoot of South America, the Matinguari. And uh hey, I, you I got, it I got right. that right this time. Yeah. My 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 ping war. There you go. And uh, Ray, is that I, thing I, I, now I think I've seen go ahead, Steve. No, I was gonna say you can't quite roll the R like Ray can, but <laughs> Well, I think That's I have watched some uh, some cryptid shows on that and I think uh some of them were talking about Bigfoot. And the other ones were, were talking about like a giant sloth. Uh, are they yes. supposed to be? So is it like supposed to be two different creatures, or, or the possibility to be the Mapinguari? Or well, the the problem you have is the uh, indigenous tribes. The yeah. Kayapu of Brazil call it Ishnashi, and the Waronai of Ecuador and the corner tip of Ecuador they call it Mapinguari, as well as uh-huh. some part other tribes. Um, north and east of them. Um, now, the Mapin, the true Mapinguari is a humanoid. Um, the oh. Ishnashi has, yeah, the Ishnashi, which is also referred to the, as the Kayapu Indians, as uh, a giant sloth-looking creature. Um, but I can only attest to the humanoid. Ah, so while you were in the area. Did uh, you have some run-ins with this creature, Ray? Yes. Um, to give you a kind of a reference where we were, we were at the, the what we call three corners, the, the uh-huh. eastern, northeastern corner of Ecuador, the far, would be the southeastern corner of Colombia, and then the far northwestern corner of Peru. 
Um, the San Miguel River runs down through there along the Puto Mayor River. And right. we were in operations against the FARC. And um, apparently what we were told by the, the guides, which are called Iwahiwas, um, we had interrupted it, uh, had wa- wandered into its territory. And for several mm-hmm. days we were harassed by uh, at first, it was just we considered it just as something, and of course, our worst fear was it was a jag, you know jaguar, um, or mm-hmm. as we call it, jaguar. And uh, I, I'll take a mapanguari over jaguar anyway, any day. Um, <laughs> but we we actually had five incidences with two visual sightings. Oh wow! Wow, that the, is a the lot. Biggest, <laughs> yeah, it was. This was over uh, 60, I want to say 60 kilometer, maybe 80 kilometer area. Um, the FARC had suspectedly built a training camp in that area. And, of course, they had just, in the early 90s, had just started developing the sub-technology to uh, fund their, funnel their cocaine to the United States without being detected by U.S. Coast Guard. And right. they would use these small tributaries off the uh, off these rivers to... Um, load the submarines up and take off. And the Iwaiwas are the, uh, the best way to put them. They're the indigenous guides for um, the jungle warfare fighters of um, Ecuador. And the Amazon is an unforgiving place. And you really going in there as, you know, as a 20-some-year-old white boy, uh, yeah, you need all the help you can get. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, and uh, so – um uh the very the, the the thing I want to clear up first before anything. A lot mm-hmm. of rumor and speculation you, we've settled the difference between the sl- giant sloth and or the humanoid. Uh, a lot of reports that came back that the the Mapanguari had a eye in the stomach. And it was only one eye. Um and mm. you know, on its forebrow. Um mm. that that's easily explained because well from what we saw there's a big white patch of hair that is shaped like a, a not a horizontal eye, but a vertical eye um, yeah. on his belly. And then uh, he definitely, he definitely has two eyes. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Mm. They're so, not uh, as big. They're mm-hmm. not as big, I think, because I've never seen a North American species. So, mm-hmm. the, but they don't seem to, uh, everything we learned from the Iwaiwas, and the Waroni is they're they're not as big, but they're a lot bigger than us. Right. So, uh, did you actually see one of these creatures? Yes, I saw it twice, with my own eyes, oh. uh, with about one other American witness and about eight or nine, um, eight or nine uh, uh, Iwaiwas and uh, Ecuadorian and Peruvian police. Yeah. Federal yeah. police. Well, uh, would you would you mind? Could you share one of your encounters with us? I mean, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear it. Sir, once we got in the area, um, it seemed like something was very upset that we were there. Um, again, you know, coming from, you know, growing up in northern Pennsylvania all my life, I really wasn't a Bigfoot believer, and there was all kinds of stories in South America about, you know, East Nashi or Mapanguari. And when we got out there, we really thought it was either a panther or a jaguar that was stalking us. And the the issue we had at first was the 
a jag a jaguar or a panther can't throw stones. It can't throw logs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do tree knocks, and it definitely doesn't howl. They they have a dark rumble growl, and once you hear it, you'll never forget. Well, either one, you never forget it. Mm-hmm. And uh, our very first encounter was we we kept constantly being. I guess the right word is harassed um, for approximately, I'd say 40, about 38, 40 hours. Um, and the Iwai was, uh, were Waronai Indians. And I shouldn't say Indians, they were indigenous Waronai tribe. Um, yeah. They, they were 1000% saying this was a Mapaguari. Of course, they're telling us the story. Now, you know, we're sitting in camp and uh, we operate at night, um, rested during the mm-hmm. day. Um, yeah. Just can't do much on the equator during the day. It's it's unbearable. Um, right. So during the day they would tell uh, of how it, it, it eats humans through its stomach and um, you know and of course they would tell us that it preferred uh, uh, my color skin more than any of them. So uh, we knew that they were just trying to josh with us. So at first we <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah, uh, they kind of poking fun at the white boys, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they. Uh, that's why most of us thought at first it was, you know, it may have been a joke or a hoax, and yeah. um, clearly, um, within within the fifteen day, first fifteen days, we really at that point we had two visual sightings, and we knew at that point it wasn't, you know, okay, I ruled out ghillie suit, I ruled out, you know, every, I ruled out sloth was the very first thing we ruled out because if that was a sloth which we've seen thousands of them. Um, it must, it must have ate 40 of them because it, it just, it was, it was, it was huge to, to me. It was huge. And the first night we heard something, uh, we like rocks being thrown at us. Um, I, I'm not sure what it was. It could have been even papaya, um, uh, fruit thrown at us, but mm-hmm. we kept hearing stuff hit around us. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because when I was up at uh, Parafest, I uh, had a gentleman say, you know, you know, why don't why don't somebody shoot this thing? When you're in the Amazon and mm-hmm. you don't know what you're facing and you have a, a gooseneck red lens flashlight for your light, that's it. And, uh, you know, and at one point we heard some tree branches go up. Um, as most everybody knows that's listening, the jungle canopy is it's way up there. 75 feet plus, you know, that doesn't let in sunlight the whole worst. You know, for something to climb a tree, partial tree using what vegetation around him um, to get up as high as the first time we saw it, you know, we're talking probably 20 feet high. Um, every, everybody, you've heard noise and light discipline, it, that went right out the window. Um, every mm-hmm. red lens flashlight came on. And, you know, we were debating whether or not to take the red lenses out because we just couldn't see very far. And we hey, finally gentlemen. some icon. Gentlemen. Hey, welcome back. You hang on. <laughs> you guys hang on okay. one second till I get back on. I'm switching over back to my headset. So give me one second. We made one sound. Ladies and gentlemen, we were right back on. Yeah, having an issue with block talk is uh, kind of expected. I think Everybody's got used to that. <laughs> yeah. But I tell you what, though, usually, I mean, it works really good. I just have the odd uh, problem of not being able to get into the chat room myself every week. Hey, we are back. <laughs> like, 
All right. We are back, guys. So we are good, good to go. Awesome. So okay. I don't see you in the chat, Steve. Uh, yep, I got to open up the chat again. So okay, <laughs> one right. one thing at a time, Chris. Well, <laughs> it, well I'm saying it's still working. I mean, I've, I've been in here with with Digger and Tack. We we we've been in here, and so it's still working. And I'll be in chat in one second. So go ahead, guys. You guys can carry right yeah. on. Yeah, we're all good. To- yeah, Ray. Ray was talking about the uh, his siding, uh, and I think I got you got to the point where he was about twenty feet up in the canopy on the side of a tree. Ray. Yeah, and the red lights out. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got we had everybody broke noise and light discipline because we were convinced that we were about to be pounced on. Um, and like again, at first we thought it was a, a jaguar. And uh, light shine, red light shine hit the eyes, and uh, oh wow! I mean, uh, I will. I just you know after serving you know three and a half some years of active army, and then being yeah. in a contractor's position, I just didn't expect that. You know, especially because they were you know facing us front down. So first thing we thought, okay, rule out every possible animal it could possibly be. And as soon as the the eye shine hit the one of the EYE was just yelled out, Mapanguari. And yeah. it disappeared fast. I mean, it was like lightning fast. And then I want to say 200, maybe 300 meters away from us, it let out a howl. And the only, the closest howl I've ever heard from it was from a BFR, BFRO recording from Minnesota area, I believe it was. And mm-hmm. that that's one that sounded the most, like it, it started low and then went high and then back down low. Um, and it just sent the shivers right through every single one of us because <laughs> yeah, you know, it was something. Some... Go ahead. I said, I, I just, I imagine so everybody would have the shivers. I know I would have too. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You know, and here we are, there's, there's a, a team of, I think there's 16 of us, uh, not counting uh, the EOE was uh, for them, and not a single person raised a weapon, nothing, because we just didn't believe what we just experienced. It was, you're, you just stand in shock, like, okay, now either the EOE was are playing with us, or, you know, we just saw what we think we just saw. And they moved into the morning, and we're still talking about it, and once it turned dark again, the harassment started over again, and it continued. And like hmm. I said, between 60, 60 and 80 kilometers throughout the mission, uh, looking for the fart camps. Uh, and, of course, the EYU was telling us that, you know, the, the, that the Mop of Glory works for the uh, FARC. So, I mean, that was the funny part. You know, well, <laughs> they, got him, they got him working for him. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go as far as believing in the Mop of Glory at this point. But I don't believe they he he worked a deal with the park. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> you know we, we continued on for uh, relatively a few more days, and uh, the second sighting happened, and he clearly made his presence known. And it was you know the one thing you brought up, Steve, is about them being very territorial, and that's almost like it was. It's like we he was telling us that we were in his t- domain. And uh, once we got deep, at this point, we got deep into Columbia, uh, quite a distance away from the, the Putumayoi River. And um, 
uh, we had made a almost like a triangle movement, um, <clears throat> turning back uh, another hundred about 180 degrees to start heading back about day 15, and uh, it, it probably wasn't even a mile um, from the original sighting that we had the second sight, and then the harassment every night after that, and then the audio. You know, we just we just kept hearing the audible, you know, the whoops, the tree knocks. Yeah. Throwing of throwing of you know throwing of objects, and night. But every once in a while, he let out what we call the war hoop. And um, what really what really caught me onto this was a few years later watching. Um, I'm not going to mention his name, but he he did some things on Bigfoot and um, about their whoops. And you know when you hear that whoop. You know, you you want there's yeah. nothing. Holler monkeys are deep. Everybody knows what a holler monkey sounds like. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we know what squirrel monkeys. We know what the uh, yeah. we know what all the type of mo- monkeys sound like. You know, and it's just something we couldn't put our fingers on, and we our brains were fried because we just think, we just didn't see this. We just couldn't see it. The second sighting we saw the full body. Uh, first, the first one was eye shine, maybe a little bit of his forebrow, um, but the second, but you know that, and that's when we were able to confirm that, that there is no eye on his stomach. Yeah. So, well, Ray, I, I always do a, a survey here. Uh, <laughs> when anybody sees uh, eye shine, I always try to ask him what color and what kind of light yep. we're using, if, if possible. Yep. We, well, we had what? red lens flashlight, um, so we saw red because. That was the color of the lens. Um, the Gooseneck Army flashlight, uh, even with a good Krypton bulb, um, I, I'm guesstimating 15 yards of light. That's mm-hmm. about it. Uh, we still yeah. wanted to go white light, but that's like turning on a neon sign and saying, "Here we are." You know, and that. Yeah, and, I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely yeah, we, don't yeah, want to do were, that in the jungle. Yeah. Right. We were in a tactical situation where we know the FARC. Um, have ways of finding us, and they do use other indigenous tribes um, yeah. in the area. We're also the Shurar, Ashuar, um, uh, Ashuar, the descendants of the uh, the headhunters uh, of of South Ooh. America, and uh, just people you just don't want to mess with. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it, it, the shrunken head. This is the area where the shrunken head, the shrunken heads come from. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it's not, you know, the, the, the Brazilian, there's a tribe that goes from Brazil almost into the boundaries of the Waroni. Um, and that's the tribe, you know, the, they call them the Ishnashi. Um, so if you take for granted just the fact that seven to nine different tribes, indigenous tribes, believe this creature lives, because they live in the Amazon, they're indigenous. Um, you you've got to you got to hold that with some clout because you know again, uh, you know being a northern Pennsylvania boy, white boy in the middle of yeah. the jungle, you know I wasn't about to start questioning everybody and saying, okay, all right, now come on, tell me that this was that, you know. Right. After the second sighting, um, you know where we saw most of the body body hair. Um, the front belly area, and um, that it was just uh, your your eyes. You think your eyes are playing a trick on you? Okay, am I dehydrated? Uh, did I get a hold of some of that stuff we're trying to burn? 
You know, <laughs> you, you, you start questioning everything. You know, it's it's it 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 does. And there was not a single one of us that felt that we should light the jungle up. You know, just light that place up with uh, you know our seven six two fifty ones, and uh, most yeah. of us carried FAL. And um, yeah. uh, not a single person thought of that. You know, because and I, and I agree with. I agree with you, Steve. It's because it is a humanoid. Um, you just, yeah, it's it's already bad enough being in a war, you know. And but something yeah. that's mm-hmm. not hurting you, you know. Or, you know, okay, I'm I'm sure he was ticked that we were in his area, you know. But again, I'm from Pennsylvania. I don't belong in the Amazon. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. it's, it's his it's his world, you know. We were just we were just living it momentarily. So, um, and and I, I, I would think too. I would think too that the way you were geared out, it's probably not familiar with seeing, you know, you know, uh, humans with the gear that you guys have, are carrying. Absolutely, uh, the Vietnam style tiger stripes and blackface. Um, you know, actually tiger stripe face. Um, actually, this, the picture that Steve put up on the page there with the it says the Escuela de Salva. That means jungle or school of the jungle. Um, that mm-hmm. was the group that we were actually with. So um, for that, you know, I think I believe it was 18-day operation total. Um, mm-hmm. And it, there was there's an old there's an old mission there, and this is one of the things I talked with Steve about. There was an old mission there, um, probably built by Jesuits um, uh, early 1700s. Um, wow. They did a great job building it. It's, it's in ruins now, but that, that's where we were heading because they believed the Ed Fark had used it for a campsite, um, and um, they, uh, we, we, when we saw the mission, you know, the, we we got the the usual rundown from the well. He was well, you know, it doesn't like the mission, it doesn't like anything religious, and, and I agree with Steve. I don't think it had anything to do with the religion. I think that this has probably been in his backyard and his his relatives' right. family. For years and they didn't like it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know these guys running around with this weird camo on and right you know i know that we were probably the first um non-indigenous people in that area and you know the indigenous people wear they have their traditional clothing in the amazon they don't wear very much and they're very distinctable every tribe has a different haircut every tribe has mm-hmm. different colors um which I'm not going to get into, but I mean, I, I can, my whole family can tell you just by looking at a picture, I can tell what, what tribe it was because we worked yeah. with the majority of them. And uh, the, the Yavaro was the descendants of the Sharu, Ashawar. And um, those were, the Yavaro were the headhunters. So that was the areas we avoided at all costs. And uh, I was not going to become somebody's dinner. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, nope. I mean, you know, so when we made it to this mission and back, uh, you know, we did, we weren't looking for footprints because at this time, I'm not a squatcher. I, I didn't even believe at this point, you know, I mean, and still to this day, I've never seen a North American species. And uh, yeah. uh, God bless them, you know, Mike Ann has taken me out and we're going we're gonna to finally get a sign of them eventually here because now my curiosity has been sparked. And I just, you know, now, now I've got to drive because, you know, this is, this has been with me for about 25 years or so. 
And, um, you know, I still have close friends down there and uh, a goddaughter down there. And they hold their, their Kichwa from the Kichwa tribe, and they wholeheartedly believe this is a real creature that's been there for thousands of years. You know, and yeah. it fits it fits it fits with the North American um it's North American I would I wouldn't even say cousin, I'd say brother. Yeah. And well, Ray, Ray, I think he was uh go ahead. I, I I I do want to get this out out cuz I don't think it was covered. But Ray, uh Ray you were a, an airborne ranger. Um yep. served in op- operation uh, just cause which was the ousting of uh, General Noriega from from Panama. Um, Manuel Noriega. Yes, um, and uh, you were a combat medic as well. And yes, uh, with, the, with the sheriff's department. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. And so you're a combat medic with the sheriff's department. Um, you're a uh, you're a trained uh, is it entomologist. Um, I'm trained as an entomologist and a dairy science expert. There you go. Yep. Um, I'm, so, I'm an expert on dairy cows and their bacteria. And uh, my 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 uh, minor degree was in entomology. Yeah, and gotcha. we use the entomology on the uh, sustainable farms to uh, control uh, harmful species. That we use bug warfare. Gotcha. So for all intents and purposes, you're now a scientist, and. Um, you know, and whose slogan is not only got milk, but got squatch. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I just wanted to throw that out there. And, 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 I, and I have to say to you, sir, thank you for your service. And, uh, you know, I understand there was a, uh, I believe, a Purple Heart involved in your service. And I want to thank you for that as well. So um, thank you. I just wanted to tip my hat to you. So... <clears throat> Okay, carry on, Chris. I just wanted to get this man's street credentials out to folks because it is oh, yeah. impressive as all hell. Oh yeah, raise the man. Well, <laughs> I, I was I was just gonna say, you know, when we, you were talking about all those indigenous peoples uh, uh, that, in that region, Ray. Uh, it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke, I believe, said that uh, uh, that most of these uh, creatures that are unknown to science, animals that are unknown to science are well-known to these indigenous locals. And yes. uh, so he, he he went ahead and, and said further, he said, and uh, a lot of times they end up having these uh, for dinner. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. And there, was a, there was a thing in uh, National Geographic, it was late 90s. They said they find mm-hmm. uh, three unknown or three unknown species a day in the Amazon. And lots of times we, we had heard from Either the Waroni or the Quechua, oh, we knew that was there. Yeah, it's no, it's like to them, it's no big deal. Of course, they don't have television yeah. either, so. Yeah. Well, that means a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, these people spend all their lives in what we would call wilderness. Well, hell, that's that's their home. And, uh, yes. I mean, if there's something out there, you just, I'd say there's a good chance they're going to know about it. Their knowledge of uh, how to use those jungle plants for medicine was unbelievable. I mean, they they had a remedy for everything, and you know they taught us, they taught us in the school. They taught us how to find water through the water vines. Um, you yep. chop the water vine in half, you, you can load down 
Um, you know, you don't have to drink the swamp water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, uh, yeah, that wouldn't be good for a fella. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, when uh, when you had your, your full body sighting, Ray, uh, can you describe the creature a little bit? Was it uh, bulky like its North American cousins, or was it kind of uh, long and lean or scrawny? Or uh, how, no. how would you? Go ahead. Um, short by terms of Sasquatch, but, you know, definitely taller than a human being. Um, I would say seven, maybe eight feet at the most. Uh, you know, we've heard stories of 15, 18 feet with the rumors of the giant sloth. But, you know, what yeah. I witnessed is only what I witnessed. Um, I would guesstimate seven, eight, maybe tops nine, heavy body, yeah. brown, brown reddish hair. And that was, you know, like I said, it was enough daylight left that we could see the white spot on the belly. And it's, it's like I said, it's not a horizontal eye. It's a vertical eye and it's a beautiful wow. white spot. And that's where most of the, uh, you know, most of what he was told us, that was where the tradition had come from that he can, uh, he has a stomach, uh, a, a jawed, you know, teeth, teeth out stomach, yeah. eye in the stomach, you know, and um, yeah. not to be, it's not, you know, not true. As far as the giant sloth, the uh, Ishnashe, I think the direct translation in Kayapu language is giant sloth. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, my dealings with the Kayapu were very minimal because they're mostly into Brazil. And it was a country that we were not allowed to, um, how do I say this correctly? We were not allowed to enter um, unknowingly to the Brazilian government. Um, right. Where my, where my, uh, uh, where my private military company was uh, was scheduled and sent to work in that tri-corner area uh, of yeah. uh, Ecuador, Colombia, and Peru. And Colombia, as you know, was the during the late 80s and early 90s was the absolute hotbed, the Medellin cartel. And yeah. these people these people exploited um, the uh, indigenous people, and um, and then they used the indigenous populations to. Um, they use the indigenous populations to, as basically slave labor, and um, I think some of them just finally had enough. And a lot of the contracts, you know, they just said, you know, come help us, please. Yeah. Well, a digger from the chat room uh, pointed out uh, to Deloitte tape uh, back from the nineteen, I think it was nineteen, nineteen seventeen to nineteen twenty. I think he took the picture of his ape in 1920 they killed one and it was later they they claimed the scientist says it's probably a hoax and looked like a spider monkey but uh huh. according to the size of the picture i'm sure you've probably seen that haven't you i have uh, not no that's one i didn't know about it's a really old black and white photo and you can you can check it out they've got a, a, a good well fairly a good example of it on Wikipedia, Deloys 8, D-E, and capital L-O-Y-S 8, Deloys okay, 8. That and I, I was wondering, yeah, if uh, if you could get a look at that. I mean, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. Would that be anything yeah, I'm going to that up right now. Okay, well, that would be great. <laughs> I was just wondering what your opinion would be was uh, uh, from what you saw, if it would be similar uh, to Deloitte's ape or not? 
Because um, uh, now they said they referenced it to like a giant spider monkey. Uh huh. Well, well, they I said that, right uh, now, they, that they they right. think that uh, they think that Deloy's uh, photograph was a hoax. It was just a spider monkey. And, oh, okay. Uh, well, spider monkeys are not that big. Um, right. Yeah. If they come, if they come up to your waist, you're lucky. I mean, that's right. The squirrel monkey, the the squirrel monkey is probably the smallest uh, um, primate down there, and then the spider monkeys the next size up, and the howlers are the the big boisterous ones that they look like miniature, and we call them mini gorillas. Um, uh, they're a lot of bark and no bite, but um, they're probably waist high. Um, so there's that, yeah. this would be a little, you know, that'd be hard to kind of hoax that. Um, yeah. Because especially if it was a spider monkey, you know, with the relatively good size, I have never seen one be in there over four years. I've never seen anything that size, a spider monkey size. Right. Well, that kind of made me wonder, too, you know, because I got to look at it. And I remember it after Digger reminded me that I remembered seeing that picture from years ago. And I think it's a it's it's that Deloitte's eight picture is in most all of the uh, the older uh, Bigfoot reading pictures. where the, you, you have the classic stories and stuff, uh, the classic uh, sightings that are always told, seem like you know, all those old books cover about the same ones. And most of all those old books still would have a picture of Deloy's ape, and, uh, which, uh, you know, they said that the scientists thought it was a spider monkey, but, uh, I, you know, it makes, makes you wonder. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I, just had, I just had my son go retrieve my eye and look this up. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't really comment until I get my eyes on it, but that's going to happen here. That's okay, bud. That's okay. But uh, yeah, when uh, when you get when you get a look at it, just just give us a hey, Chris, uh, an opinion. Uh, yeah, bud. And, and looking and looking at the Deloy's ape, what mm-hmm. I see very very clearly, um, the feet. Um, definitely look like a uh, a lower primate type of foot. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like got the 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 opposing, you know, uh, digit on the on the foot. Um, right. It stood 1.57 meters tall, which is about five one and a half. So as Ray yeah. just said, spider monkeys are about five foot tall, the larger ones. Right. And that seems to that that seems to be right about in line with a spider monkey. Hmm. So, you know, I, I think there may have been some uh, manipulation, not of the photo, but of the creature itself via taxidermy, um, to make it look yeah. more like something other than what it is. Ah, yeah, that that does look like. Uh, in all honesty, that does look like a spider monkey. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know I can't reference size because it looks like it's on a crate or something, and it's got a stick and you yeah. the head off. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Young, it, it, the, it actually, Ray, Ray, it actually gave the size as one point five seven meters tall, which is uh, about five one and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yep. Seems like it could very well be a spider monkey. It's within that, you know, maybe yeah, a would, little bit large, say, but yeah, I would say that's that's probably true. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and, yeah. Okay. It's, another it's one. Good put, to another have watch detector radio. 
Yeah, it's good to have an educated opinion on that deal because, uh, you know, with Ray in the same area as this thing was located, I thought, well, maybe you put two and two together and it could have been something similar to what Ray saw. Yeah, and Lord knows yeah. there's enough un- Lord knows there's mm-hmm. enough uneducated opinions around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so Ray, I, I gotta ask you this. Um and, you know, and I love hearing and, and and this may go a little off course about uh the Mapanguari or the uh you know, the uh cryptids of the of North and South America. But you know, I, I have to ask this. I just find it really fascinating. You know, uh, you, you know, you with a, a band of our, our our boys out there intermingling with tribes that some of them probably have never seen an American soldier in their life. That's and, right. Yeah, there was, uh, yeah, there was villages I, you know, that we came into that they were shocked to see us. I mean, I, what was their reaction? Were they afraid? Were they curious? Were they aggressive, or maybe a combination of both? Or um, most most tribes, uh, you know, because we're heavily camouflaged, that's what threw them off. Um, and you know, unless we took our blouse, you know, our BDU cover off, and then they, you know, our BDUs off, you know, if we especially took off the top part of our BDU, um, then they saw the white arms. Um, you know, there was, there was, you know, most time it was a welcoming, um, the, uh, it's called the Yachateta, it's the chief. Um, the lowland Kichwa would come out and greet you. The Warone were, they had seen lots of, uh, apparently, um, I have uh, the name of the explorer escapes me. No, Hiram Bigham, I got it. Um, when he went down there, he ran into uh, quite a few of these tribes. So this was back maybe late or early 1900s. Then uh, Hiram Bigham was trying to find the um, the lost city of the Incas, um, trying to find that Inca gold. And um, when he ran into most of these tribes, um, just for a really brief history report, um, the Incas, as the Pizarro and the Conquistadors uh, entered Peru, um, they had to retreat into Ecuador, into the highest of the Andes, and um, uh, to escape the, the the persecution and death from the Conquistadors. And um, so this history of hating, uh, not being very pleasant with uh, outsiders, especially white outsiders, uh, was not um it's it's surprising that in early 1990s that that hatred still existed they were very skeptical there was tribes that were downright mean to us and there was tribes we just knew you just avoided um at all costs you knew that that is not a place um that is not a place that we go our, our intelligence sources were the indigenous tribal guides themselves so they knew where these tribes were. Um, and the other fact is, it's interesting, is that most of these tribes have lived there thousands, you know, hundreds of, you know, okay, well, let's, I think Pizarro got there in 1544 or something like that. So we know they mm-hmm. were there before, in 1544. So this has been hundreds right. of years these people have lived there. And um, uh, they're descendants of the Incas. And... Um, uh, the Kayapu or not, they they claim a different lineage, but um, 
you know, the some of them, like I said, some of them were, if you talk, if you hesitated first and got on good terms with the the chief, you then you were okay. Um, yeah. If you came in the village, you got the greeting of, uh, now weapons are not, weapons are primitive weapons, and the deadliest weapon the Waronai have, uh, and Lowland Kichwa have, is that blowgun. And I'm, I have never seen anyone that can hold up a 12 to 15 foot pole and pinpoint accuracy uh, with those, those darts. And what they dip them in, you know, you don't even want to get a scratch. And it's one of the <laughs> Amazonian tree, tree frogs that is so toxic. Um, you know, if it jumps on you, you're pretty much your toast. And um, they, again, they know exactly, you know, while we were down there, not to get off sidetrack, but they go fishing. Um, when they go in the river, they pull up these leaves that are toxic to fish. They put them down in the river, and these fish yeah. come floating belly up, and there's how they catch fish because they know exactly wow. what plant. They know exactly what yeah. animals, you know. So when I take a lot of clout, when Yachateta tells me a story of how long the Mapanguari has been, you know, their, their protector of the Amazon. That was the biggest thing, yeah. the biggest, uh, what they believe it is. He is. He is their ultimate protector of the Amazon against the white world. Um, and these people have been explored wow. from everybody from Pizarro to oil, giant oil companies while we were there. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. So... Uh, our good friend Mike uh, Mike Ann would like to hear your story of survival. Oh, I knew um, he was going to bring this up. <laughs> okay, so being the good Eagle Scout that I was, um, uh, why was uh, why was in South America in almost the same area, um, a little bit farther uh, east and south. Um, uh, we in between the Putumayor River and the San Miguel, San Miguel River. Um, my, we came into a village to remove the village because the FARC were coming in the area, and we did not want the tribal people to um, be attacked or that forced into for, you know forced labor. And so we yeah. were asked by the uh, MDN, which is the Ministerial Defense of Ecuador, um, uh, National MDN is Spanish is the Spanish uh, nomenclature, um, asked us to, to please, and, and tribal indigenous, they have a group called uh, CONAE. It's the governing body of all the, I think there's 26 tribes, I believe. Um, yeah. They said, you, you guys have to go in and get this village out of there. And it's a very small village, probably 35, 45 people at the most, um, indigenous, and so we did. We came in, um, told them what the situation was, and uh, the the ears of the jungle. You know, I know you, people see movies and they do drums. No, ham radios operated on car car batteries is how some of these uh, more modernized villages talk to each other um, via ham radio, and wow. they all they always hear, um, and especially the. the they're, they're having the same issue with retention of their old ways with the younger generations. The younger generation has seen the America uh, influence in 
like Quito, Ecuador, and Cusco, Peru, uh, you know, McDonald's, the whole works. You know, it, they're modern cities now. You you step off the plane in Quito and you think, you know, the only thing is you can't breathe, you know, 9,000 some feet. But, you know, you could be, you know, it could be Denver, Colorado um, because there's right. skyscrapers, the whole works. But, you know, in the middle of the Amazon, uh, the younger generation seemed a little bit more resistant, and they were the ones that used technically usually used the hand, the you know, the shortwave radio, and yeah. uh, they 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 were already told that we were coming. Um, there was uh, uh, two Peace Corps workers with them, so and that was our biggest fear because the FARC loves to cap Red Cross volunteers. Uh, any white person possible so they could extort money out of them. Um, the FARC has their army. Um, uh, a well-provided-for well, fun, a well provided for militia. Um, they they have weapons for very high tech. Um, in the middle of the jungle, they would carry RPGs. Um, the, the FARC were really decked out. I mean, they outgunned us. There's no doubt, you know, and of course all Warsaw Pact weapons, uh, meaning from, yeah. you know, Russia, China, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So they knew we were coming via shortwave. And um, when we got there, um, we started evacuating everybody, including the one American and one Australian. And uh, I was I was pulling regard. Now, my job in South America was I was the team's medic. And, you know, but I'm armed, you know, I'm armed to the teeth. Um, yeah. I was told to pull rear guard as everybody leave the village and give them about 20 minutes to head back to the river. And the yeah. rivers are the highways. Um, you just cannot walk through the Amazon at night. You just can't. Um, you, you get in long boats. A lot of times they're made by the indigenous tribes, and that's how you move around. Um, I was told to pull rear guard. Um, which I did honorably gave it 20 minutes, maybe a couple minutes more. And I was told to catch up with them. And I turned around and my, my PMC unit was G O N E gone. And yeah. there's two trails that split and I'm like, Oh, here we go. You know? Oh no. So, you know, everyone said, why didn't you just follow the footsteps? You know, we make it a habit of not leaving a trace. Uh, that was the whole point of us being there. We don't leave. We don't snap branches off. We don't. We try. Not, you know, we try to erase our footprints. Um, right. The big thing we don't break vegetation because you know, our signs and the FARC have Iwa guides. They're that's not what they're called, but they have guides, the indigenous guides too, that can read those signs. So we yeah. try to be very, very tact, very tactical. And yeah. so I got had of two trails. Um, I chose to take one, and after about three hours, I realized I was probably in some hot water. And I said, okay, Boy Scout rule, stay in place. So I hunkered down and was contemplating going back to the trailhead, and, which I did in the morning. Um, and I, I sacked out in the morning, figured, you know, they're going to find me sleep by a tree, kick me and get me up and – yeah, that, uh, they'll come back for me. Yeah. Uh, morning came to night, and um, nobody, and I mean nobody. And at this point, now the panic has set in. It's like, oh, good Lord, I am I am out here by myself. 
And uh, yeah, this was not um, it was not planned. It, you know, the other, my my first concern was I had the medical bag, I had the IV supplies, I had the antibiotics, I had all that. So I just left a team in a village with no medical care, and I, I'm lost. I mean, I I am completely lost. Compasses in in the the closer you are to the equator, they do not work. And it just if you you go to the north side of the equator, they spin clockwise. If you go to the south side of the equator, they spin counterclockwise, just like the water does. It does mm-hmm. go backwards. So mm-hmm. compasses now, you know, um, I had one MRE, um, I had two full canteens, and. Um, a giant medical bag. I mean, this is a, a decked out bag because I am usually the only medical person for hundreds of miles when we're out there in the yeah. middle of nowhere. And I mean, I'm, I carry, I carried everything to take care of any problem um, that you can imagine that could happen. Um, I could give somebody an IV, um, you know, so I'm thinking, okay, you know, all right, I, I have an MRE that, you know, that we we were trained. Um, part of being light infantry is you know that's, that's you know thousand two to thousand eight hundred calories. You can spread that out right. a few days, and right. um, you know so I I just said okay you know I got fresh water I'm good to go you know let's just sit this out they're gonna come back and get me you know as the sun kept going up kept going down kept kept going down things got into panic mode and then I I did panic. Um, I decided I was going to walk myself. Mm. That's where I made my, that's where I made my mistake. And, um, uh, I can't even tell you the, the emotions that I felt, um, day after not seeing any, any pot Ridge Valley cells, depressions, cliff draw spurs, nothing but jungle trees, howler monkeys throwing poo at you and, Squirrel monkeys jumping all over you. you know I mean, throwing everything they could at you. The the two things I had going for me, ton, but um, my and in our old canteen covers. And anybody listening that was in the military knows there's a small pouch that we carried the uh, the water purification tablets in, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. the amount of water that I was going through. Um, I realized within four or five days that uh, I was I'm in big trouble, um, and as panic set in, you do what you think is the right thing to start drinking anything you possibly can. Um, the advantage of being in the rainy season is it, there's lots of water. The disadvantage is most of the fruits on the trees that or that has dropped are rotted because everything's yeah. soaking wet. Other cancer was trade. The water levels rise so high, and one day it could be a dry spot. Next morning, covered in underwater, and um, I got dug on day. And without a, it's just plain misery. Instead of kicking in my old Eagle Scout tricks, um, I panicked, and I did. I, um, I didn't know at the time, but I, I was walking in circles. You can't oh. see the. Everyone's like, "Why didn't you follow the stars? Why didn't you follow the sun?" You can't see, can't see the it. sun. Yeah, the jungle yeah. canopy. You know it's there because yeah. the jungle's white, but you can't yeah. see where it is. 
And same with the stars. There's just no way. And I'm not climbing 75 to 150 feet to go take a peak. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I was not, I was not a primate and I didn't plan on being one. But, yeah. You know, that, that wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a good idea to be out there with a broke leg either, would it, right? <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, and, and secondly, everybody said, why didn't you build a fire? So we carried no fire building materials because noise, light, discipline. You build a fire, that smoke penetrates to the jungle canopy. Somebody three miles away that is in a, yeah. a, a, a perch looking for that person is yeah, oh, who hates think, you? Ray? I, yes, sir. Ray, I, I don't know yes, uh, if you've moved a little bit, but for the last few minutes, you've been fading in and out when you talk. Okay, how's this better? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, so as I was saying, um, I wasn't about to become a primate and go to the canopy and look through, um, and I was sure, you know, we didn't, I didn't have anything to build. Um, a fire with, and it wouldn't have mattered much anyway because it was the rainy season. It just would have been put out instantly. And um, so um, days turned into nights, nights turned into days, and I am still lost. And panic fully got in, and um, I I will be totally honest, I even got suicidal because I just thought, you know, I'm not Swiss Family Robinson. This is not going to happen. Um, you know, I just, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, are you going to be out here the rest of your life? Uh, you know, what's, what's going to happen, you know, and, um, by chance, uh, about day 20, um, 20 days in, um, uh, I, I found a little Creek and that's when, um, all my training decided I woke up. I apparently must've, you know, I I don't want to say it was divine intervention, but, it probably was. Um, little stream led to a bigger stream. Bigger stream led to a giant stream. Giant stream led to the river. And on day 22, I came out, and it was a small Lavroni village. And uh, I appeared, and they must—they really must have thought I was a Mapaguari coming out of that river. Because, I mean, 22 wow. days with no clothes, swamp water. Oh, I was, I was not. Yeah, I was quite the dirty boy. So you were and, you were uh, in the jungle for 22 days on your own. 22 days full, yes. And um, I received an award days. from the Ecuadorian government. Wow. <laughs> I, they well at the time they told me I was the um, only uh, white person that ever did that by accident and survived. So um, I, I'll take it for granted. That's what the certificate says. So I'll, I'll believe them. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, it, well, it was Ray, not during, a fun days. Yeah, Ray, during this time you were out there, man, did you have uh, did you have any encounters or have anything happen to you that you thought was odd? No, and I really wish I would have because then I would have felt sane. Because I mean, it just yeah. like it like it was like the the whole jungle shut down for me, and it was like, oh, yeah. we're not going to give you any sound, we're not going to give you anything. Um, I had to wow. run in with a, a jaguar. And that was, oh, you know, to think that you're about to become its dinner yeah. uh, is not, you know, uh, the only thing he did, there was uh, iodine dressings in a foil pack that we carried in um, uh, our med bag. He tore my med bag to yeah. pieces. 
And for yeah. some reason, he wanted those iodine patches. Um, not sure huh. why he focused on that, but um, I ran into a Bushmaster while I was there. It's one of the venomous snakes. Um, Ooh, yeah. It actually dropped down across my leg and just was doing his thing. Um, he never stopped to look at me, you know, once, but it went across my legs. And I'm like, you know, I, you know, nobody can find me in this whole stupid jungle, but a Jaguar and a Bushmaster can, you know, and yeah. that's what yeah. I kept thinking, you know, like, wow. And, um, you know, I came out into a Warlone village and of course it became, uh, it became a uh, shortwave radio uh, notice. Uh, and now after the fact, uh, break, break it short and brief. Um, the FARC were looking for me because they knew they had heard by shortwave I was lost. And they wanted oh. me for ransom. And oh. um, I I just thank the good Lord that I did not run into them. Uh, our yeah. load combat, our combat load going into the Amazon, we had uh, six 20-round magazines for the FAL. And then we had three pistol mags for the Breda 9mm M9, and um, yeah. which is worthless in the jungle. Um, but you know, six twenty, six twenty round box magazines is. Um, I only carry six because I was the medic. Um, most of my other gear space is tied up with uh, um, IV supplies. Uh, every right. even morphine. Um, so I, I just, um, you know, and and the thought kept in my back of my head, if I pull a trigger to shoot something, you know, they are, they will find me, and it's going to be the wrong right. people that find me. And yeah. so 20 after learning, like you said, they radioed and told them I was there. They sent a helicopter in. They did pick me up, and um, they had to burn my BDUs. They were so bad. Um, oh. We had uh, one of the <laughs> helicopter pilots was the Colombian National Police, and he actually was gagging because it smelled so bad. Um, oh. So, but, uh, yeah, I was I was rescued, and um, my wife became good friends with one of the guys that um, felt horrible that they left me there and they yeah. never stopped looking for me um until they ran out of supplies and um, yeah. they went back resupplied and went right back out looking for me and um uh-huh. you know so i, I got to give the credit that they they stuck up to, if i would have paid attention and maybe asked some questions before everybody split this it wouldn't have happened and uh it, it was just by you know bad luck and uh, I don't believe my team left me. I, not for once, you know. Uh, I, I knew because of the reaction I, you know, when they found me that it was uh, it was a quite emotional on my part and on their part also because you know they thought, I mean, we just left a brother out there in the woods, yeah. you know, out there to the Amazon, and, um, yeah. you know, uh, it was. And I, and the kicker, the punishment was the Warone told me that they had two guys saw me twice. And did nothing because they thought ah. it was funny I was walking in circles. And that ah. bet me. Yeah, I was a little bent mm. by that. Um, but, you know, then again, you know, they explain. Here's this strange-looking guy out in the middle of the Amazon, and clearly he doesn't belong here, and he keeps right. walking around these circles. So what the heck is going on with him? So they they rather, reserve, you know, observe than interfere. And they yeah. couldn't – they and, to their defense, they couldn't tell whether I was FARC or a cartel yeah. member or what. So, um, yeah, it was um, – it was. Uh, we did uh, – I had a uh, buddy of mine that put a booklet together for me that I wrote the whole story out, and uh, I, I still to this day have my journal entries from every day. 
because um, I wrote in my right on the rain journal um, every day. Yeah. I wrote something in there to you know what I was experiencing, what I felt because I really felt and I re- I really hate saying this, but I really felt there towards day seventeen, eighteen, I was going to take my own life. And I just thought this was it was a worthless cause, and uh, I figured okay, you know if they find me, um, you know this will be a record of what what I went through, where I was, where I thought I was, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I, I don't know what drove me. I really don't know what really drove me to to want to survive. Um, I don't I don't know how was, we watched. I was watching this evening, naked and afraid, and I just, you know, I can't believe these people volunteered to do this. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> it's not something. Uh, you know, it's really not something uh, that right. you really want to do, and especially in a, a foreign country. You know, and, and yeah, the Amazon. You know, and, 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 and on that note, on that note, we're trying to get at least one or two folks from Naked and Afraid to come on the show. One that has had an experience with a Bigfoot. Um, oh wow! And, and some of their stories. Um, uh, last uh, weekend, I was at the uh, Rochester Winter Parafest, and I met uh, the wonderful Melanie from uh, Naked and Afraid, and she's out there listening. I want to just throw a shout out and say hello. Um, you know, and the the stories that and she did a couple of uh, places. She did Louisiana, down in the bayous. Ugh, I would say that's you know pretty close to rainforest. Not quite, yeah, yeah. but close. Yeah, mm-hmm. close. The only and thing they, I think would be different would be yeah, just be density of the you know the jungle. Right, would be the only difference. But the, as far as water, and the mean, animals, oh yeah, yeah, it'd be dead on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, she also did uh, a season in Africa, so that oh, that wow. would yeah that was really interesting. Some of the stories, and uh, yeah, they they when they were in Africa, they were having problems eating and trying to find food, and they ended up doing what chimps did, basically sticking, you know, sticks down termite mounds, pulling out termites and eating the termites. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I ate a lot yummy. of. I ate a lot of rotten fruit, and I, I paid dearly for it. I had quite a, and of course I was drinking, um, I was drinking uh, swamp water, and uh, I paid oh. dearly for that. Uh, yeah, I did, uh, oh, I had so many parasites. Yeah. Well, Ray, My, uh, did you come back? Uh, did you come back with a gut full of parasites you had to get rid of, bud? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a story with that one, but I'm not going to share it with everybody. Uh, <laughs> my sister. Um, she learned the hard way about parasites. Um, yeah. Uh, well, now I got there. Uh, my, I came home because they gave me leave after that for ten days, and I came home yeah. and I sneezed and, uh, yeah, I dumped some parasites right on the table. And um, uh-huh. uh, my sister still talks about that to this day. Um, they, you know, <laughs> I, I was, oh, I had so Those many shots. Hold on. So Hold on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes, right. Sir. Where is the justice in that? You were missing for 22 days, and they're going to give you 10 days off. Wow, that's mighty nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, take the take well, a month off. You know, take a couple of months. Yeah, yeah relax. Yeah, yeah I, I would have thought it would have been longer, wow. but um, I had to get medically cleared first. And I was, I, you know, truthfully and honestly, I was in the Troop Medical Center for, I, I believe it was more than a week. Um, they're just trying to get wow. rid of everything in my body. You know, because yeah. I mean, I I done some stupid stuff, and um, you know, ate some stuff that uh, you know I don't regret eating because it kept me alive. But 
Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, if my, I would have had a my, my my revenge. Yes, exactly. Now, yeah. now, Ray, do you do you actually read Spanish? I can I can read and write in Spanish, and I can I can read. Um, Quechua is not a real well written language because there's so many different dialects right. of Quechua. Um, there's Quechua and Quechua. Quechua is from Peru. Quechua is from Ecuador. Um, I can speak um, Highland Quechua. Um, so and I Napi um, is reading. Mapanguari um, is a name, and every American uses this word. The Quechua word is jerky. Um, that is how they preserve their meat. It's called jerky, and that's where that name comes from. Different spelling yeah. in South America. Um, same with Isnashi and Mapanguari means Mapanguari is the direct translation, and Quechua is the hairy beast. Um, the translation in Waronai means um, spirit of the forest, I believe, or spirit of the jungle. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I I'm I am fluent in Spanish, read and write in Spanish, and uh, um, and I use that on my job uh, today, um, as the mm-hmm. dairy industry has moved to migrant workers. And um, but uh, the Quechua I try to keep in practice uh, through Skype. Um, every time you know I, I talk to uh, any of my my goddaughter and or you know my my uh, teammates, some there are some teammates are still there working. And um, it's a, it's still a hotbed. You know, most people think, oh, you know, everything's done over there. Uh, no, the cartels yeah. just moved to Mexico. You know, so they just, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. After death of Juan Pablo Escobar, you know, pretty much um, they moved everything north to Mexico. So. Wow. You know that that really freaked people out. If you're walking around down the streets and you want to have a conversation unto yourself. To spot, you know, to speak, uh, you know, Koichi to each other, and really confuse the heck out of them. <laughs> yeah, my wife has experienced that first, you know, firsthand that you know she walked in on me having a full phone conversation in Quechua, and she's like, "What?" Quechua, yes. Yeah, Quechua. <laughs> yep, and, and uh, you know, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a hard language because there is, it is not a written language. Um, so spelling's right. up in the air. I mean, you want to spell it one way, that's. Yeah. That's right, because I know the Mapanguari is spelled different ways in different tribes. It's right. I, I've seen it Maguari, Manuari, Mapanguari, Isnashi. You know, there's different names for it, but you know they're yeah, all Mar- 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 One of them is uh, Marcoxi. I, I, yes. I know that yeah, one yeah, too. That spelling, yeah. yes, yep, yeah, just where I was, it is called Mapanguari, and then uh, farther east, it was called East Nashi. Now, how how do you say Chris is a redneck in that language? <laughs> uh, well, names are translated as American names are translated as a full name, and I don't think they have a word for redneck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they would. Uh, they don't call you. The one thing is they don't call you a gringo. It's Yankee. Right. It's spelled Y-A-N-Q-U-I. It's the it's the Quechua version of Yankee, and that's what they call you. Yeah. You're never called a gringo until you get into the things. You know. Then you're a Yankee in the jungle. And that's Hey Ray, after we're off the air, I may have a few words. I want you to get the translated for me for Steve. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, since this yeah, is a family friendly show, I'll, I'll wait till we're off the air. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that calls guy. That calls guy is a mother. Well, we can't say that over here. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay, uh, another another question is, uh, Ray, uh, uh, Michael is piping in and says, what do you think about the North American Sasquatch or Bigfoot? Well, and like I said before, Mike has taken me out once. Um, I just really want to, this is my, this is what my goal in life is. I really want to see or hear a North American species, but now, this goes back to my South American ties with the indigenous people. The indigenous people claim they talk to it. So I, I, I just, I would love to throw out uh, a greeting in Waroni or Quechua just to see what it does. You know, I'm not saying hmm. it's going to talk back to me, but, you know, the, the rumor is, and I don't even want to say rumor, it's the story is that it did communicate and it does communicate um, whether it's written language, you know, whether it's verbal language or not, they never told me that. Um, but mm-hmm. they they say they can communicate with it. Um, I'm assuming from what the evil he was told me, it's mostly through tree knocks and such taps. Um, mm-hmm. So, can the North American one do the exact same thing? That's my interest. Um, secondly, um, you know, I I just want to see one. I, I just I want to hear one. I, I, you know, hearing is believing, seeing is believing. You know, because I've never seen a North American species. Um, uh, you know, the the big thing, um, uh, Lago. Lago is uh, Quechua for large. Um, and they mm-hmm. would always tell me that, you know, um, when when they I first heard the word Mapanguari, I said, ¿Quién es eso Mapanguari? Oh, uh, uh, Norte Americano uh, Bigfoot. That's what they told me. Mm. And so... They know it's here. Wow. Um, so, you know, they, they they believe there is a – they believe they're in, on every continent, just like most of the Sasquatch believe, yeah. believers out there, they are on every continent. You know, it's, um, it was just kind of weird to hear uh, a Lorona Indian say Bigfoot, you know, um, which the Mapanguari claims – the claims of the Mapanguari is he doesn't have a Bigfoot. So and there's rumors that they're backwards facing. Um, I, I can't attest to that because I didn't I didn't look at his feet. You know, was, but right, right. Yeah, I'm sure they're not backwards facing. I'm sure they're not backwards facing. Indigenous, yeah. you know, indigenous people. Oh yeah, they love to exaggerate the stories. You know, because they love yeah. scaring the living daylights out of white boy from Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, that's something that, that's really interested me, though, Ray, because, uh, you know, whether or not these things have a language, uh, during my encounters, I have never seen or heard any of them use any type of language or verbal communication. And I've, so I, that leaves me, I'm kind of skeptical of it, you know, and, but then right. I, I'll listen, I'll listen to, uh, uh, Ron Moorhead's, uh, tapes, um, uh, that's purported to be, uh, uh, you know, Bigfoot's uh, uh, communicating with some sort of language. And then that, that leads me back to where, you know, okay, I'm on the fence again. I don't know. I don't know. Right. But uh, if the indigenous people are claiming that they can communicate communicate with it with some sort of language, that would – I'm back on the fence again. 
Yeah, hey, well, uh, well, Chris. Night clean. Go ahead. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, man. No, go ahead, right. Go ahead, right. The the Warone I claim they use um, taps and knocks and such, you know, yeah. different reps. Okay. Um, okay. You know, but yeah. the the some of the other tribes uh, claim that they actually speak to it. I I can't attest to that because I wasn't there, you know, and I, I don't know. Right. I'm right. very familiar with the Warone tribe. I lived with them. I'm very familiar with yeah. the Lowland and Highland Kichwa. Um, you know, those are the ones of the tribes that I did and Oshawa, the Shuar, Oshawa, um, uh, and a little bit of Kayapu and um, Seriyaku, the Seriyaku of central Ecuador. Um, mm-hmm. Which, interestingly enough, is not it's in the lowlands, and um, they don't they don't ever talk about the Mapinguari. So it's the the ones that live deep in the Amazon that talk about the Mapinguari. Um, and that's the other thing, the highland Quechua, the ones that live in Otavalu, um, Quito, stuff, you never, ever hear these stories. But they're, they're in the city, so I wouldn't expect it. Chris, what I was going to say yeah, but, real quick was that, you know, uh, in, in Bigfoot speak, when it goes, <laughs> what that means, according right. to Cat Hansen, is that calls is one mother? <laughs> <laughs> you guys got my wife laughing over here. <laughs> oh man! Well, say that you know that's the thing. You know, I, I've never heard one communicate verbally. Now I, I've heard the screams off in the distance, and then the, the yeah. yells, and then all kinds of noises, but I've never, you know. Uh, I've never heard them, you know, when, when I walked up on some, I, I, one of them didn't turn to the other one and say, hey, you see that guy over there? You know, no, none of that happened. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, one of the more interesting uh, events that I had was back in 2011, and I was with two other researchers, and we were in what I call my research area number one, which is where I've had my sightings and <clears throat> um, you know, the track was found there and a bunch of other things, but we'd actually left our campsite. But I left the uh, recorder going in the campsite, and this is something I truly believe about them, is that they love to explore and they kind of very cautiously look at campsites. That's why they may throw rocks sometimes when it's quiet just to see if there's a reaction to it. And uh, I'll never forget this. I left my Zoom, uh, the old H2, uh, the the base model of Zoom, the H2, on a tripod in the camp. And you hear something very quietly getting a little bit louder louder. You can hear some, like, footfalls in the leaves. And then we just get this, uh, and then you hear the leaves start to, like, slowly uh, the footsteps again and it gets you know distant 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 now was it a sasquatch i can't say for sure because i didn't see it but that was really bizarre really bizarre so you know i i, I these guys are pretty smart and they're pretty cautious um yeah you know and uh i, I just uh it never ceases to amaze me and uh, the stories we've heard tonight about the mapanguari and, and ray's survival efforts and just some of his stories you know about meeting the tribes are just what, what a remarkable treat we've had so far tonight unbelievable yeah yeah 
and uh, I was going to say earlier, uh, uh, Ray, we got uh, one chat room user, Digger Dog. He had a question for you. Uh, let's see. Let me read it off here. Uh, sure. Does the government does the government down there try to hide their presence or just try to ignore them? What do you think? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say the government would absolutely, unequivocally deny that there was any such thing. Yeah. Yeah. That they would just say that was indigenous folklore. Yeah. So you're not really aware of any any effort to to try to hide their presence, or they just more or less just kind of blow it off and ignore it. Well, the one thing of both the governments of Ecuador and Peru, I can't speak to Colombia, but uh, living in both Ecuador and Peru, um, they don't really like being in or around the indigenous population. Um, The government just does not get along with its indigenous yeah. population. They consider them radicals, um, terrorists at some points, because mm. this is the exploitation of the oil in South America and now the gold. Um, you know, finding silver and gold in the in the foothills of the Andes. Right. Um, but right. the oil came first. Um, the Chinese presence um, coming in, uh, I'm not going to name companies, but uh, big oil companies from other countries, coming in and just taking indigenous land, um, it almost makes me feel like we stepped back in the time of our country um, with the indigenous population here. Um, The only difference is is that the the government down there, um, they they just don't, they just do not, they don't send representatives out to the villages. Um, Yeah. All the tribes in Ecuador, uh, they have a governing body called CONAE, which deals with the government, so they don't have to. Um, they're tribal yeah. people that have been approved to deal with issues with the government, like the oil fields, the um, you know when they start silver mining or gold mining or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So you know the government just does not like, and also the government troops do not want to venture into the uh, Amazon, um, especially if they grew up in the cities. Um, those guys just want nothing to do it. That's why we use the Iwaiwas. Um, which is a name of it means uh, guide of the forest, uh, or the, the Spanish word for jungle is selva, and um, you know the, they are the indigenous people that do go to work for the Ministry of Defense uh, for the prospective country of Ecuador, Peru, um, and Colombia, yeah. and um, but they work in they never have interaction with the um, I want to say the city people. Um, the soldiers from the cities, uh, you know, the, the, the they just don't interact. Um, the I wouldn't want. I don't want to say that they're they they have a negative. Um, they don't. Uh, it's it's not that it's a negative thing, but um, my wife met uh, a beautiful young a beautiful young lady from Ecuador um, at an event in uh, just east of Rochester one day and. She said, oh, I, I don't like those dirty Indians. And, you know, it, it gave my, my wife an idea from what a city person from Ecuador, uh, one of the biggest cities, one of the bigger cities, how they felt about the indigenous population. Um, they believe that they're savages. Wow. Um, sounds familiar, right? Wow. You know what I mean? They, they believe it sounds, it sounds um, like the, uh, sounds like sounds like the United States in the 1800s. Yes, exactly. And the wow. deforestation is the biggest issue. 
Um, now, when you bring that up, though, if you look at some of the Chinese reporting that when they're in the jungles cutting these trees down to put oil fields in, um, they're claiming they have contact. So, um, you know, that's secondhand information, though. There's, I, I don't speak Chinese. I don't go up to somebody and just ask, hey, did you see a Mapaguari? You know, he's probably going to look at me like, what the right. heck are you talking about? Mm. You know, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> they've had reports come out of camps um, of Chinese workers uh, building the oil fields um, where they were deforesting the Amazon. And um, some had, uh, they claim there were some nasty run-ins. But uh, if he is truly the keep, keeper of the, the jungle, then the keeper of the Amazon, then, you know, I'm sure he's he would be upset that, you know, he's seeing an encroachment of, these strange people coming into, you know, their territory. Yeah. Uh, I'm very sure that it would, it would upset them because you're, you're taking away their habit, their territory and their habitats and their food source and, you know, whatever else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, know, unlike the woods of North America, the jungle provides much fruit. I mean, there is so much edible fruit. You know, I mean, to think that something couldn't survive out there, um, you can't think that because, you know, number one, I did. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, you know, be if if I was a Mopinguari, there'd be lots and lots and lots of food, and they would know where to get it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I'll I bet just... if Ray, it, it, when Ray was out there, if he was a Mopinguari, he would have been looking for the rotten fruit, wouldn't he, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I did. That was part of the problem. Well, there's a very interesting story that I, I tell once in a while about when uh, Dr. Jane Goodall uh, kind of habituated the chimpanzees is she would leave apples, and she noticed that the chimpanzees had a, parta- a liking to the rotting apples rather than the fresh apples because the rotting mm. apples had fermented a bit and it gave them a little bit of a buzz. So a that's, the in there. Yeah. that's the same with the <laughs> rotting bananas or the plantain. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and it's probably the same with a uh, airborne ranger wandering around the forest for 22 days. Hey, let me eat this. <laughs> yeah. It actually kind of looked pretty good. Looked good. So, well, well, I hate to say this, guys, but we got about two and a half minutes left to show. So I want to thank Ray. Yeah. We got to have you on again sometime. That was a blast oh, yeah. and a half. Um, oh yeah, uh, I agree. So I much. Appreciate it. And Ray, we're gonna we're gonna get you out here in the spring, and we're gonna take you up to Research One, and we'll we'll we can't let's see if we can't get you your North American sighting. So I'd love it. I would absolutely love well, it. Well, well, before we go, let me ask Ray one more question. Ray, Ray, did you ever write a book on your experiences when you were out in the jungle, lost? Oh, you know, now, surviving? Now, you might, now you made my wife perk up here because uh, this is a sore subject. Yeah. I have, I have several chapters done. I I get mm-hmm. to a certain chapter and I just I stop and I'll let it go for months yeah. and then I come back to it. Um, it's something yeah. I've been asked. To finish, yeah. um, we had a publisher that said, you get it done. Um, a friend of mine sent my survival story into a publisher, and they said, we want this. We we want this. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, of course, deadline came and went, and I, I felt, you know what, I don't want to talk about this. You know, and um, I 
I have wrote from the survival to, you know, what was really going on in, yeah. you know, in, in what I call the banana wars, um, you yeah. know, between the, you know, what really was going on in, in South America uh, how much do you really know? You know, how much of the government did you know that, you know, that the, we, they used, uh, I'm just going to say it. They used contractors to do their dirty work. And um, the amount of cocaine uh, in just four years that I saw, um, the, the, the raw coca product, um, how the money worked, um, the, all oh, the, just the plain corruption. Um, we had an old saying, you know, you don't, if they were national police, don't even bother talking to them. You know, the only one you talk to is the jungle tree and the guides because you couldn't trust anybody. Um, wow. Not even, well, not even the Mapanguari. Well, well, I would have loved, I would have loved to have a chat with him, but you know, that fear factor kid said that flight or flight run, and I met. Yeah. I'll raise my hand. I had flight. <laughs> well, well, brother, thank you so much for coming on tonight. And uh, Chris, what a great show we've had tonight. Yeah, yeah, great show. Great. I mean, it was, it was Ray. phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, Ray. Started out a little so, rough. Started out a yeah, little rough, but we, we had a guest, man. I'll tell you what, guess, <coughs> Ray, you, you've been one of the best, the best guests we've had, man, and I, I really enjoy you, and thank you yeah. for your service to our country, and uh, we sure appreciate thank it. More will get you back, definitely. get you back soon too. And if, we, yep. if yeah. you do decide to finish that book, I want one of the first <laughs> copies if you get that book finished. <laughs> I, I, I want. I want I want to see the we have, movie. We have booklets printed up of the 20, uh, I named it 22 Days. I have booklets printed up of that. It was a short story you used. Um, uh, we have it in print. I, I will make sure I get you guys a copy. <laughs> Thanks, oh, awesome. Man. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I want to see the movie rights to this one. I mean, <laughs> this, could make a, this would make a real entertaining. Uh, that would be a real thing. Yeah, so, anyway, I think we're, we're, already, we're already off. We're already off the air, Steve. We're, well, we're still well, going, but the show, the show's running long. Squash Detective <laughs> Radio overtime. So, yeah. but Ray, thank, really thanks it. so much. All right, my brother, thank you, you take care. I'll be in touch. Okay. You too. Thank you. So, uh, on behalf of me and Chris, um, I want to wish everybody a happy and safe week. Uh, God bless, keep out of the snow, and keep on squatching. We'll get you all here next week, 9 p.m. Eastern Eastern Daylight Time, uh, here on Squatch Detective Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Squatch Detective or squatchdetectiveradio.com. Catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to Squatch Detective Radio. Join us each week on Blog Talk Radio, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern, as your hosts. Veteran Bigfoot researchers, Steve Culls and Chris Bennett, bring you guests from around North America, exploring the mystery of the beast known as Bigfoot.